I cannot begin to describe how thankful I am yeah. that those roads end up running into each other, being the road of my past project management experience and the road that the Montana Code School put me on. Uh, if it wasn't for the Montana Code School, it's not hyperbolic to say that that door wouldn't have been there. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is all about creativity and hustle happening in and around the great state of Montana. Today, I am recording this introduction sort of on-site in Big Sky, Montana, um, sort of out at, a, at an undisclosed event, recruiting and getting to know some future podcast guests, so some some super secret but exciting stuff um, and amazing people that uh, we'll be bringing to you in the months to come. But anyway, today's episode is a special one. We are going to do a profile of the Montana Code School. And for those of you that have been listening to the show, you've noticed or probably noticed that we have a bit of a theme in some of our episodes about higher education and how higher education can can change to conceptualize and deliver its product better and better meet the needs of the marketplace and prepare students and graduates for you know whatever type of career they want to do, but also to prepare them to roll into productive jobs that the market is currently creating. And the Code School is a prime example of this. We sit down today with Paul Gladen and Kelly Nash. Paul is the director of the Blackstone Launchpad and a really important colleague and key member of the University of Montana community and the broader Montana business ecosystem in general. Kelly Nash is a Code School graduate, but she's also now the director of admissions. So we talked to the two of them about what the Code School is, how it came to be, and the niche it fills in the educational marketplace right now and the great work they're doing. Then we interviewed two of the graduates who have gone on to do awesome things. Luke Wallowander, who is working at Luminad, graduated a couple of years ago. And then Shannon Dooling is, uh, is a tribal member who has taken her education in the code school and, and gone back into the tribes in the educational space and given back to her community in that way. So really cool episode. We put these three pieces together and to try to enlighten you on the, the great work that the code school is doing. So I'll turn it over to Paul Gladen, Kelly Nash. Okay, so we're here today with Paul Gladen and Kelly Nash. Guys, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, Kelly, you are admissions director at the Code School, and Paul, you are director of the Launchpad, as many people in the community know, but you've also helped get this Code School enterprise off the ground. Absolutely. <laughs> one of the, the co-founding kind of team that started the Code School back in the summer of 2015. Yeah, when was your first cohort? When did, when did the first cohort graduate? That was fall of 2015, and I was a graduate of that. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. So I went through the first cohort. Kelly was one of our pioneering students. There you go. You liked it so much you, you wouldn't leave. I, that's true. <laughs> Is it, did you like roll right into this position at Code School from, I from the cohort? I did. I was briefly director and okay. then it turned into a bit more than I could handle. So passed it on to Amita Greer. Uh -huh. And uh, now I am wanted to stay involved. So I'm now managing admissions. Yeah. So three, four years in, you guys are placing awesome graduates throughout the region, particularly here in Missoula, uh, but elsewhere as well. Um, tell us a little bit about the genesis of the idea. Why was there a need for a school of coding here in Montana? 
So back in 2015, I mean, really probably for a year or two before that, both in my role was director of the Blackstone Launchpad, working with entrepreneurs, uh, and also I'd co-founded this group called the Hellgate Venture Network a few years ago, which was an entrepreneurial networking group. So I was often getting people reaching out saying, hey, I've got this startup and I need a coder. Mm. And can you recommend someone? I'm like, well, I know some coders, but they're all pretty busy kind of working on whatever projects or whatever organizations they're working with. So didn't really have a good answer to that. And then I read this article about the Flatiron School, which is one of the um, kind of top coding schools started in New York a few years back. Okay. And it was the first time I'd heard of these things. So these coding boot camps and did a little research and discovered, hey, there's 40 or 50 of these across the country uh -huh. and they're kind of blowing up as a concept. This idea that you can take people with no coding skills and 12 to 15 weeks later, they can walk out with some kind of robust foundational coding skills and get an entry level job. I'm like kind of, that seems like a cool idea and started chatting with some people about, well, could we do that in Montana? Sure. And nobody could come up with a good reason that we shouldn't. So we decided <laughs> no hard nose. Yeah. So we're like, well, let's try it. Yeah. And so, so, so what is it about this skill set that, you know, you can take somebody and give them eight, 12 weeks of, of a boot camp sort of style and get them prepared to walk into a job and, and do real stuff right away. Yeah, I mean, uh, really what people need is just, you know, curiosity, critical thinking skills, that kind of thing, and creativity. I mean, it's a much more creative field than I think most people realize. Um, but within those 12 weeks, um, we immerse. I mean, it, it is immersive. Like, you literally dream and code. Well, it's all day. It's all day, <laughs> it, all week, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's 40 hours in the classroom and then uh -huh. 20 hours outside of the classroom working as well. So yeah. the full time is very intensive. And so let's give listeners, I mean, I guess I, I'm, I count myself as a bit of a Luddite in the sense that code is a little bit of a scary word. Um, why? I mean, Paul, you've made this argument before. Why, is, why shouldn't it be a scary word? Or why should it be a word if you're scared of that's a problem, you got to get over it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, and I, I should confess, I still can't actually write a line of code myself. I hope at some point I might find the time to go through code school myself. Um, but I think I've, I spent a big chunk of my career sort of in the technology field, working sure. with technology companies and so forth. So I just really see the power and the pervasiveness of technology. Mm -hmm. uh, but we talk about sort of those traditional skills, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and now we sort of added code. I think it's sort of that 21st century sort of skill set that, yep. that you need to be, you may not always be a great writer, right, But or great with numbers, but mm -hmm. you still need to have some understanding and some appreciation. Uh, and I think that's what we view the code school is about, is initially at least gives you that ability to understand what is code and to get some basic competency with it that can take you into to sort of continuing your career into uh, a full-time coding job, but it also opens up a whole host of other career paths. Yeah, it's not only opening up new opportunities for folks, but in, in many instances, it's kind of a, hey, you got to at least have, it's almost a baseline. Like you mm -hmm. got to at least it have is. some comfort mm -hmm. with code, or like you said before, being able to sit next to somebody who knows code really well and, and just be able to fit into an organization and, and have a basic level of fluency. Right. And, and also, I mean, why not want to? I mean, I want to. I just yeah. don't have enough time to go through mm -hmm. the code school right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you can, if you've got hobbies, even just you want to set up a website or mm -hmm. start a blog or mm -hmm. do some stuff like that, or you want to start doing some data analysis, right, about something you're interested in. I mean, it's, 
it's just such a pervasive tool. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, it was the tagline that got me into the code school. Yeah. The <laughs> so, reading, writing, yeah, arithmetic, was, yeah. and code. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of, I, over and over again, I just kept running into, I, I, you know, I don't know what it is. I didn't really understand what code was. I had no, it was just all mystery to me. Sure. You know, and I wanted to understand it, especially for my kids. Like, for and my where kids, did that like, come from? Like that wanting to understand it piece. Um. Well, I mean, for me personally, it was a matter of I was in a transition period where I could go back to school and I was kind of done with what I had been doing. I wanted okay. to try something you new. You wanted a career change. Yeah. And I had visited, um, my brother was in China working at the time and I went to visit him and it was sort of a, kind of got me out of my sleepy Missoula mode where I was yeah. like, oh, wow, I really, <laughs> you know, was a lot I need bigger. to, yeah, I need to understand this and my kids need to understand this and I need yeah. to not be afraid of it. And, um, then I just started looking online. I actually did, I was doing an online boot camp. Um, mm. And then I found a press release for Montana Code School was going to be opening. And so I jumped from the online boot camp to, to this. But really it was, um, I just wanted to understand what it was and give my kids an opportunity to, like if I'm afraid of it, they're going to be afraid of it. Yeah. Um, but if I can understand it, then now they play with it. So for sure. it worked out really well. <laughs> and so you guys do on the ground programs here in Missoula and in Bozeman, correct? Mm -hmm. right? And you do both part-time and full-time structure. So yeah. is it three full-time programs in a calendar year? Is that right? That's right. Okay. And, and, and what do you, I mean, you're the admissions director, Kelly, what are you looking for in terms of applicants for this program? Um, Drive is important. Okay. Um, you know, it's not a, um, it's not something to take lightly. I mean, we want people who are really committed to completing the program. So having some idea, and a lot of people don't have a clear idea of what they want because they don't even understand what tech jobs are out there or how, you know, kind of coding adjacent jobs, uh -huh. you know, uh, mm -hmm. which is, that's also huge. Sure. Um, but we definitely are looking for people who want they're hungry they they want to switch a career and that's really typically what we get is yeah, career how, do you, switchers. how do you identify that in an applicant the interview shows a lot yeah? <laughs> i have okay. to say yeah it's pretty revealing um, i guess we can't ask you what the questions are because that, you know, <laughs> yeah or maybe a savvy listener who prepared for the interview by listening <laughs> yeah, to the right. podcast yeah right that's a sign of being hungry right yeah there you go so anyway i get it though you can tell in an interview when somebody's ready, willing, and eager to mm -hmm. do the work to make a career change. And, and certainly what's been interesting about um, a lot of the students that have come into the code school, they're not, I mean, I think we all have this stereotype, right, of code of this mm -hmm. sporty 18-year-old. Yeah. Um, most of our, probably the average age of our code school students is probably late 20s. Yeah, we've so. Had, our oldest has been in their 50s. Mm -hmm. um, these are people that for a host of reasons have decided they want to learn this, often looking for a career change. I mean, I think just about every, though we've had like one high schooler, but apart from them, like every student we've had already has a degree. They've already achieved a good sure, level yeah. of higher education, but maybe haven't found a career path that's kind of giving them the income or giving them the opportunities and the challenges uh -huh. they're looking for. So they've come and said, oh, well, no, hang on, coding could open up a new avenue for me. Yeah, so people with undergrads, even advanced degrees, and then people that, you know, decided after high school not to continue with their education can come back as well. Mm -hmm. right. right. So yeah. um, as you've been going through this, one thing that comes to mind is you, you started up this program in, in kind of a period in, in at least the University of Montana system that wasn't exactly sort of fertile ground for launching new initiatives. What was it, you know, how were you able to get this off the ground and get it to be at this level of success so quickly? 
Um, that's a, that's <laughs> Outside of the hunger piece that Kelly well, identified earlier. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a, a, a few factors. I mean, I think um, one, it was a it was a sort of community driven mm -hmm. effort. Yeah. So there were five or six of us in that sort of co founding team, both some folks from on campus and some from off campus. Um, we did. Our, I mean, it was really interesting for me, given what I do as a day job in the Blackstone Launchpad, working with entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, we we ate our own dog food in going out and doing the market validation. So we went and talked to local tech businesses mm -hmm. and says and said, if we build them, will you hire them? And they were like, subject to the quality. Yes, we will. We think this would be great. So, um, and then we announced that we were starting the code school, and our first cohort would be in. September, uh -huh. and we waited to see if people would sign up. Sure, and we. I mean, obviously, we didn't make this public. We were like, if nobody comes, then we won't do this. But live we experiment. Had enough, yeah, we had enough people saying they wanted to sign up, and they did, and we put them through the program, and then they got hired. And it's like, all right. And the the proof in the pudding for me, I think, um, was when some of those employers um, started hiring multiple. Yeah, graduates coming back for more. Yeah, um, so I think it was very much a community-driven effort. Um, so I think there was relatively little upfront risk for us, other than a bit of time uh -huh. to see if we could find. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to build pay. a building, and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we did it. I mean, actually, you mentioned a building. I mean, early on, we did actually look at a physical space, thinking, okay. Gee, this would be an awesome space for the code school." And we're like, "No, we don't need to be worrying about space. We can find some space to rent." Let's keep this in kind of the startup terminology, a minimum viable product. Mm -hmm. um, so I think because we did that, there was relatively little risk for most people most and the, and the university to say, let's see if we can make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about where students are going after, you know, what kind of jobs are these guys getting and, and what sorts of success stories are you seeing? And. Yeah, I mean, we there have been people who obviously go into de junior dev jobs. Um, people go into dev Wait, well, let's be and, clear, Kelly. Oh, What's yes. a dev job? Oh, like, <laughs> You're sliding so, into some jargon here. Sorry about that. Um, so they will become um, like they'll be building apps for a company, for instance, okay. or you know, developing websites, um, either front end, which is what you see on your screen when you're looking at it, or back end, which is databases and APIs and things. Sure. Like that. So. Um, so that kind of job people move into, they go into consulting work um, and, well, you know, customer service, customer support. So oh, yeah. Being able to sort of speak technically. Of the, yeah. Talking about companies that are uh, a lot of the software as a service businesses, many of which are now kind of operating in Montana. Uh, they have customer support. So customers got a technical issue and it's like, hey, let's go figure out what that is. And sometimes they'll be, they would then go do the fix, mm -hmm. um, doing kind of QA, doing testing as well. Um, but also people with sort of project management skills, product management. Um, there are a lot of different paths you can go into where you're not necessarily working with the code kind of day in, day out, but you're working with the people that are working with the code. Right, right, right. So, so you... that's where that translation between sort of, because if you think about any any organization that's using code, software is just a tool mm -hmm. to deliver some capability. Right. Um, so ultimately you need to have this sort of empathy for the user and to be able to engage with the rest of the organization, whether that's business, government, not for profit, that wants software to help them get something done. So that, that ability to mediate between what does the end user or the organization need and what does the code actually have to do, that's a critical 
interface where you need both some of that kind of business and organization mindset. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also why a lot of our graduates have been successful is because they're coming to us in their sort of late 20s. They've got some life experience, some world experience. They've worked in other organizations. So they bring that to kind of the coding world as well. Sure. And as you're sort of laying out that that role that a lot of these graduates can fill, it seems like a bit of an analogy to the role that code school plays in the development of the tech's kind of emergence in, in Montana. I mean, I know Bozeman's been kind of ahead of the curve a little bit in that space for many years, you know, right now and, and all, you know, other other enterprises there. But in Missoula, we have a really exploding tech sector. Absolutely. And, and we've seen our graduates go to many of those tech businesses here. In yeah. Missoula, the ATG, Luminad, Submittable, uh, Workiva. Um, so there are great opportunities with the tech sector, both in Missoula and in Bozeman. And I would assume your, your cohorts must be, must be growing along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. i'm not going to make you quote stats in this interview but no and it's um we're looking to sort of continue to sort of spread that message to the tech industry i mean the the montana high tech alliance if people haven't Mm -hmm. checked that out they should go check out their website and some of their research they've done with um the bbe or the bureau of business and economic research here at the university which shows that the tech industry is growing i think like kind of seven times faster than the state's economy as a whole and that they're paying on average sort of like twice mm-hmm. the kind of the, the state average wage. So those tech opportunities are there. And not every single one of those jobs is a entry-level programmer job. Um, but when that tech industry is growing, those opportunities are going to continue. Sure. To rise. Sure. So if somebody's out there listening and they're thinking, wow, this, this actually sounds pretty interesting and there may be kind of mulling a career change over or you know something doesn't feel quite right or they want to get into this this new space i mean how do they how do they learn about code school and how do they prepare themselves for success as a uh, as an applicant yeah i mean if you go to our website montanacodeschool.com um all tons of information there and you can also contact us it's actually me who you mm-hmm. be contacting uh, <laughs> us royally. And um, yeah, I mean, I answer emails all the time and just kind of, you know, it, we want to make sure people know what they're getting into and, and that kind of thing. So um, I'm always there to answer questions or explain what to expect and that kind of thing. And another option. So all of our cohorts um, do what we call demo days. So during mm-hmm. their 12 weeks, they work on two sort of application development projects, Okay. which they then do a public demo day. Um, it's it's not the whole day. It's actually a demo <laughs> of 45 minutes or something. But sure. uh, the teams present their applications, and that's open to the public to come along, sort of see a little bit about what... Yeah, showcase. What, I mean, brand new coding graduates are working on, even sort of like six weeks into the program, what they uh-huh. can already do, and obviously have the conversation to, to talk to them. Typically, several of the employers will be there, and alumni will be there. And certainly that's something if someone reaches out with sort of questions totally. about what am I getting myself into, Kelly can easily sort of make introductions to some of our mm-hmm. sort of recent kind of graduates. Sure. They can go have a conversation with. I mean, we've got a hundred plus graduates now across across the state. So there are people out there that would be a good fit for a conversation for somebody that's trying to figure out if this is the right fit. If this is the right fit. Fantastic. Well, you guys are just I mean, first of all, just thank you and congratulations for getting this thing off the ground, but also it just must be so exciting and fulfilling to kind of play this 
key kind of catalytic role in, in this in this groundswell yeah. of activity here in Montana. Absolutely. So thank yeah. you. Uh, and best of luck as you go forward. All right. Good to hear from Paul and Kelly. Thanks for the awesome stuff they're doing. Now we're going to shift in gears and uh, talk with a recent graduate of the Montana Code School, Luke Wallowander, who had a degree before. He'll tell you all about that, but came back to code because he wanted to get into tech and has landed Luminad and is doing awesome things there. So I give you Luke Wallowander. Okay, so I'm here today with Luke Wallowander. Luke, did I get your right last name right? You did, you did. It's a it's a rare Polish last name, but you got it. I think it's awesome. It just sort of rolls off the tongue and uh, doesn't really imply Polish, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Some people guess Australian. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, the Polish yeah. Australian sounds like something out of Fletch, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Luke, uh, we're here today. You are a recent graduate of Montana Code School, right? Yep, you got it. When did you get out? Uh, about two summers ago. Okay. Summer and now, 2016. And now you're working in, at Luminad here in Missoula. Yep. yep. Awesome. We'll get into all of that, but but basically I wanted to start off with, you know, in, in broad brushes, what was the path that led you to pursue an education at Montana Code School? Yeah, you bet. So prior to the Code School for about eight plus years, I worked in economic and community development. Okay. And did that in different parts of the state. Uh, loved it. Really great experience. Um, you know, I did a lot of project management work, wrote grants, grant management, you know, worked with cities and counties and business owners and stakeholders and just trying to bring people around central ideas. And um, over time, I kind of realized that there was something inside of me that I wanted to nurture. And it kind of dated back to my undergrad. Okay. And that was... And what was your undergrad? Uh, international business. Were you here? No, I was at King University in Bristol, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's probably another story that we'll save for a different episode. But anyway, so yeah, something's inside of you that 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 uh, you're you know it's you're starting to maybe think about scratching. Go yeah. On. So there was this uh, yeah this thing that was just kind of within me about storytelling with data. Okay. And I had a economics minor in college. I found out a little too late in my undergrad that I really liked economics. So mm. I had to stop at a minor, couldn't pursue a major. That kind of just got shelved for a while. Yeah. I really yeah. liked what was in front of me with community and economic development. Uh, but there came a point where, one, the grant that I was working under, I knew it was about to expire. Okay. Two, I was starting to look over the shoulders of some friends in the software community mm -hmm. and was seeing what they were doing was completely blown away. Yeah, lots of opportunity. Yeah, and just realized that, oh my gosh, here's something that I wasn't even aware of that mm -hmm. kind of scratches that itch that I had in terms of storytelling through data. Sure. I found out about the Montana Code School. They had a cohort that was starting around the time that my grant was expiring. Okay, good timing. So I thought, you know what? I'm getting to be 30 why not take a hard pivot? This might be one of the last times that I could do that. Mm -hmm. And wound up being able to go to the Montana Code School in the summer of 2016. And that was really the path that led me there. Sure. And what is it you did? Did you do the 12-week sort of full-time program? Yep. Awesome. So graduated in, like you said, 2016. And then did you go straight into your position at, at Luminad? Or? I did. I had a week break, and then I jumped right in. Wow. So while you're at code school, are you starting to kind of activate those parts of your mind that um, that maybe you wanted to reactivate? Yeah. So dating back to my economics minor in undergrad, you know, before that, I, I really didn't have an appreciation for math. Mm. 
and I definitely didn't have an appreciation for calculus. Okay. But when you applied a use case, when you applied a meaning to it, all yeah, of a sudden you made it real, right? Yeah. All of a sudden that became very important to me and I could figure it out and it, it became easier. Mm. Same thing happened with the code school. Okay. All of a sudden I was doing math. I was, uh, I was applying logic to numbers. I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. I probably wouldn't have even dreamt of doing that. Yeah. But here I am at the code school and I'm doing it and I'm applying logic and I'm, uh, I'm working with numbers and I'm starting to create a story by building scripts, working with code, and it's kind of happening before me. And is it, I mean, at this stage, like, is it hard to kind of get back into it, into the action as a student or does this start to come pretty naturally? I think it came naturally. Okay. And I think part of it was just the environment that the staff at the code school and the founders created. Sure. And how many students are in your cohort? At the time, there were eight of us in Missoula and I believe a similar amount in Bozeman. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 And is it full day, all day? Full day. Wow. Full day. And it was full day in the summer. Yeah. So you had mountain bikers coming down (laughs) into town and you're watching them out the window, but all the while you knew what you're doing, you know, and you knew it was important. Awesome. So graduated and then a week off and right over to Luminad. So what are you doing at Luminad? And actually, let's for, for the for folks that, that don't know what Luminad is, give us give us the little bit of a bio on on you know what Luminad is. Yeah, you bet. So Luminad, we're an advertising technology company. Okay. Uh, in doing that, we partner with our um, we partner with advertisers. We partner with agencies uh, in being their digital arm of their marketing or advertising department. Uh, we also develop a software that's proprietary called index that helps us with workflow automation on our side, Mm -hmm. but it also presents custom data dashboards for the clients. Okay. Eventually we plan to roll out a SaaS product based off of that software as well. Okay. Define that SaaS product. Yep. Uh, services, a software. There we go. Yep. Uh, and really Luminad, the, the kind of the origin story was there's a lot of moving parts in the digital ad space. Mm-hmm. A lot of different players, a lot of different things that are going on. We recognize that we could try to fill a niche in making it more simple for our clients. Sure. And so really that was kind of the genesis of Luminad was just how in this young industry of online advertising, could we coalesce all these moving parts, all this information into a very digestible way that our clients could clearly understand where their ad dollars were going, mm-hmm. what KPIs were attached which performance metrics were attached sure. and to know that they were getting good use out of their ad dollars. Yeah. I mean, I hear that all the time from organizations that they, they know they need to sort of ramp up their digital marketing game, but they're kind of just don't even know where to start. Right. You know, they have a pretty good message, you know, and I think they, they have a good understanding of who their customer is, but, but reaching that customer with a lot of these new techniques. So that's where you guys come in. Yep, exactly. Right. And there's so many mediums, channels that you could do it in, yeah. uh, just trying to understand pricing related to it mm-hmm. and, and how far that dollar is going to stretch in different channels. Absolutely. Uh, that's the education that we provide to our clients as well. So where, so you've been there, gosh, almost two years now. Yeah. And so what's your role and how, you know, or what was your role when you started and, and how's that changed? Yeah, you bet. And maybe just kind of to even um, provide some preface to that answer as well. One thing that happened at the code school that was really important for me was I thought all along I, w- I wanted to be a junior software developer. Yeah. 
I, th- I think that's everybody's goal, kind of, when you go to the code school or a code school. So actually explain that for me because, you know, and, and the listeners, like what does junior software developer mean and, and what does that job look like? And then I can see how it, it you know, my assumption would be that the code school prepares you for that role. But, but yeah, let's talk about not only what that role is, but how you maybe your world view broadened a little bit from that. You bet. So, you know, my understanding of being a junior software developer, it is the oftentimes in a more entry-level position within a software company. Yeah. Um, th- I think they do a lot of work with the senior software developers, depending on you know what technology stack they're using, so what languages that they're writing code with. Sure. Uh, they might have uh, a base knowledge, but in terms of what the company actually writes and how they use it, uh-huh. the junior software developer really works... Uh, in tandem with more experienced developers, learning from them how to implement the code per the use of the company. Sure. So when I went to the code school, that's what I thought I wanted to do, which was purely to to write code. Mm-hmm. Along the way, you know, and kind of midway through uh, my cohort, I realized that I truly just wanted to work in the technical industry. Okay. I wanted to be a part of tech. Yeah. And that allowed me to feel open to different opportunities. Um, it allowed me to ideally hope for an opportunity where I could implement my project management experience mm-hmm. and did not feel like the eight plus years before then would go to waste. Right, but you're also not like constrained to doing that in the nonprofit space. Yeah. Now you have this tech affiliation, this sort of tech street cred, if you will, from the code school that mm-hmm. allows you to maybe transition to a place like Luminad. Right. And when I found out about Luminad and I found out about their ad operations department, Uh I realized this is something that I want to be open to. You know, at the time they were beginning their, their product team, their, uh, their engineering team. And the position was open in the ad operations department. Uh And the more I explored it, the more I realized this was really going to meet where I wanted to be post-graduation. Sure. And so, um, since then, you know, I, I started at the, you know, right at the beginning of the, the department. Ground floor. And what is ad operations? Like, give us sort of the, the Reader's Digest definition of ad operations. Yeah, you bet. So, might help to explain the workflow. Yeah. You know, at Luminad, we have a sales team, we have an accounts team, and then we have ad operations. Mm-hmm. Ad operations works really closely with the accounts team. We receive information from the client that comes in through the accounts team. They provide us campaign creatives, so images that the client wants to have their audience see online. Different pieces of information, marketing copy, Mm -hmm. specs, you name it. And it's up to us to go in and make sure that we're providing some quality assurance. You know, we're uh, trafficking the creatives, so we're we're basically we're fielding the creatives and then we're entering them into the various platforms. Mm -hmm. We're making sure that any any type of troubleshooting that needs to happen before our launch takes place, that we do it in advance. And then after we launch a campaign, we're the ones that are observing, making sure that campaigns are hitting their metrics, they're pacing correctly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're given uh, a start and end date when the campaign should run. We're making sure that things are running evenly or running according to the client's wishes. Yep. And then we're also providing narratives back to the accounts team based on the data that we're seeing and saying, Hey, here's some really interesting things that we're seeing. We suggest that you pass this along to the client 
they might not know. Uh, maybe this is their first time running online advertising. Right, right. And so they wouldn't know about the audiences that they're hitting if they're used to running offline, maybe print advertising. Mm-hmm. And so you've been there a couple of years, still in the ad ops team, I, I, I take it? Still on the ad ops team. I am now the director of ad operations. Right on. So yeah. pretty, pretty rapid advancement. It has been. You know, I'll be hitting two years in September. And you got to be, I mean, Luminad is growing so rapidly. You, you got to be, what, in like the first 10, 20 employees there? And now it's, what, over like 60? Yeah, I think I was number nine, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And now yeah. I know we're hitting near 55. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. And interesting, just to kind of tie this all together. So, you know, you, you see this this code school as a pathway into the tech industry. And you sort of saw it, you know, as a skill-based pathway in. But now that you're in there, you know, hearing your story, it sounds like Marrying the code school with your previous experience in education and desire to be here in Missoula, you know, the sky's the limit in this in this in this quickly growing organization. I cannot begin to describe how thankful I am yeah. that those roads end up running into each other, being the road of my past project management experience and the road that the Montana Code School put me on. Uh, if it wasn't for the Montana Code School, it's not hyperbolic to say that that door wouldn't have been there. Like yeah. the the networks that I got uh, affiliated with, where they pointed me to, who they put me in contact with, um, that all led me to Luminad. And then to be able to, like you said, marry that experience together. Mm-hmm. It's been a phenomenal opportunity, plus just to do it in Missoula. Uh, I've been on the outside of Missoula before, you know, and I'm, I'm from here. Yeah, yeah, I wanted you, to get back. Yeah, and wanted to get back. You kind of have to wait, almost have to wait your turn, you know? Like, there's, to a degree in the past opportunities weren't always there. Mm-hmm. Luckily, with some of the tech companies that are starting in Missoula, there are more opportunities for people to come back. So I feel fortunate to be one of them. Absolutely. So as we kind of wrap up here, Luke, um, you know, you used a, a phrase early on in our talk, hard pivot. Yeah. You decided to take the leap and make a hard pivot in, in your career. Yeah, You said 30. That's that's still pretty darn young. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, you're a few years into what you think, what you're thinking of as a career. So if there's anybody out there who's kind of thinking about, okay, you know, I feel like I should make a change or, or try something different. Do you have any words of advice for uh, a listener who might be feeling that way? Honor it. Honor it. Go for it. Honor it. Sometimes it's true. It's a cliche, but the present's a good time to do it. Yeah, and there's yeah. no time like it. Uh the opportunity was before me, and sometimes when those doors present themselves, you just have to honor it. I like that. That'd be my advice. Honor it. Great, uh, great advice. Luke, thanks very much, and best of luck in the future. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right, cool to hear from Luke and learn about all the awesome stuff he's doing over at, uh, over at Luminad. Next, we'll hear from Shannon Dooling. Shannon uh, had a history in social work, had an undergraduate experience in psychology, and is a tribal member, a member of the Kalispell tribe. She came to code school through a slightly different path and has, um, has really used her degree to give back to her community in the educational space. So we'll turn it over to Shannon Dooling. Shannon, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So you graduated uh, from the cohort in summer 2017. Yeah. And now you're working back up in San Ignatius. We'll talk about that. But you're an enrolled member of the Kalispell Tribe. 
And before you came to code school, you were, tell us a little bit about what you were doing. Um, yes, I had a career in social work um, here in Missoula for about 15 years. And um, I loved social work. I enjoyed working with people. And I felt that, you know, it was my calling for sure for a long time. Um, however, I have um, three sons and um, they are growing up and I have been searching for something that is going to be you know more lucrative for me um, keep me financially stable and you know I was just trying to think in 10 years you know when my kids are um, out of the house like where am I going to be at what's next for you exactly Um, So I had run across Montana Code School several times, um, just like through emails and through contacts with other people. And um, after the third or fourth time of it coming to my attention, I decided to just look into it and see what what, what is Code School and, you know, what is development and where can you go with it? Yeah, because that's not, you know, that's not probably a very common path to go from social work to you know, what's, what's a much more technical kind of career orientation with, with, with coding and tech? Yeah, um, it was, and it was intimidating at first to um, come from, like, you know, working just one-on-one with, with people. And, um, you know, I worked a lot with um, homeless, disabled folks for years. Uh-huh. And um, like I said, I really enjoyed that work, and I felt it's important and still is important. And um, But... Um, I never considered myself, uh, I guess you would say, like a left brain person. I wasn't mm-hmm. uh, like a big, you know, like fix a car, problem solver type. I didn't consider myself that way. But after going through code school and doing the work I'm doing currently, which is iOS development, um, I am really, really loving it, and I've changed my perspective about myself, (laughs) that I actually am a problem solver, and I can think through these things. And so I'm I'm really happy. Yeah. What was your, I mean, gosh, that must have been such like a cultural change for you to go from, you know, your your day-to-day work as a social worker to all of a sudden you're enrolled in this intensive, full-time, coding program I mean how, how was the adjustment to being a student again um, it was quite an adjustment for me but um, the code school is really great in that they give you a lot of pre-work um, you have a lot of textbooks and a lot of um, like curriculum that you go through ahead of time to kind of like get you acclimated to the kind of problems that you will be solving in code school and the pre-work and all the things you have to do to prepare for code school really like pumped me up and got me ready. And uh-huh. um, I would say anyone that is going thinking about code school definitely start studying early. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to know, and it is, I think, very difficult material, but it's doable. Yeah, yeah, hard challenge, but one that's worth doing. Definitely. So you had a good experience, graduated, and then since then you've been up in St. Ignatius working with uh, a, a teaching aid developer. Is that right? Yeah, it's called Native Teaching Aids, and it's owned by um, Becky and Brandon Goff up in St. Ignatius. And it's been around for about five years, and 
Um, they started out and still do um, lots of different board games and um, learning materials for um, everybody from national parks to uh, different tribes. Um, and so th they brought me on recently to start doing mobile web development and so turning some of their materials into um, applications and mobile applications. And what is the, I mean, what are these, how are these, so they're board games and such and mobile applications. What, what sorts of teaching objectives are wrapped into these products? Um, well, for instance, um, they have developed a um, homeschooling kit for the Blackfeet okay. tribe. Yeah, so um, like for <clears throat> tribes that are on reservations, there's not always the greatest educational system going on. Uh -huh. um, that's been a historical thing, a topic for another discussion. But um, so the Blackfeet tribe is enjoying um, the ability to homeschool their kids with some of the curriculum that uh, Native Teaching Aids has developed and has started um, providing. And um, they've also um, come up with the Native Indigenous version of Cards Against Humanity called oh, Card interesting. Yeah, it's very, very, very cool. It's called Cards Against Colonialism. Okay. And so it's a Cards Against Humanity from an, an indigenous perspective. Uh -huh. It's really, really fun. We just played it last weekend over Memorial Day with a bunch of friends, and it was so hilarious. Yeah, I, I'll have to pick that one up. I, I've i never played Cards Against Humanity. I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. It's you know, pretty fun, but... Uh, yeah, often, I mean, like you said, maybe topic for a different conversation, but the taking these sort of things that are grounded in one set of assumptions and then casting it from a different perspective is, is oftentimes very powerful. Yes, very interesting. Yeah, so speaking of that, you know, a lot of, we heard from, from Luke, another code school graduate, and, you know, he kind of came into his experience and um, you wanted to get into tech, and now he's with a tech startup here. You wanted to make a career change in a similar way, but you chose to take that skill set and, you know, go back up to a place like St. Ignatius and invest in the in the tribal community. Uh, what's that experience been like for you? Um, it's been very, very rewarding. I'm very happy to say that I, like you said, am able to contribute and give something back to Native communities and was part of the reason why I wanted to come on this podcast was to let other Native American um, people know that uh, Montana Code School isn't actually very accessible, available, very doable career for pretty much anyone that wants to do it. You don't have to have a four-year degree, though, you know, they recommend it. Uh -huh. um, it's a 16-week program here in Missoula. Um, they have um, summer sessions, they have part-time sessions, they have um, just regular during the school year sessions. Um, so it's pretty much always going. Um, it's, um, you know, financially, it's, it's reasonably priced compared to some of the other code schools that I've heard about, it's similarly priced. Um, so, you know, I know that they're, they've talked about offering financial aid for folks and stuff like that, so I don't know all about that aspect, but it's something that um, Native people is accessible to Native people. And for me, I kind of grew up, you know, with having some disadvantages, and um, I've been able to overcome them 
and code school is part of that. I feel like that more Native people could access Montana Code School, start a development career, and be able to possibly work remotely if you're living on or near an Indian reservation and, you know, um, aren't able to, like, get into town or, you know, you have a family at home or whatever your circumstances are, a development career is something where you can make good money, um, you can have a career that is fulfilling, and, um, you know, it's flexible. Right. So. You can you can sometimes work remotely from home. Your hours can be flexible, too. I mean, it's pretty much like, can you get the work done? And if you can do that, and the code school prepares you to do that, then I think you can add tremendous value to a, a wide variety of companies, companies that are investing here in Montana. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you don't have to work for a native-oriented company. Um, you could work for number of places. Um, it's just been my um, experience so far that I got to have had a chance to work for Native Teaching Aids. I really, really love it, and I really admire the work that they are doing to um, pretty much keep um, Native culture and Native languages um, going, um, despite, you know, a lot of the barriers that Native people have faced in, you know, um, learning our language and sure and doing it in a way that <clears throat> you know making board games <clears throat> excuse me one thing but 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 kind of doing it in a more technologically oriented way i mean you're 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 institutionalizing it in the form of an app that a younger generation can engage with and learn from and and, and kind of be fluent in if that makes sense yes that's our our goal yeah and so just back to the point you made, I mean, yes, thinking about it for for, a variety, you know, for, for many people, the idea of going to a two-year degree program or a four-year degree program um, is really daunting. But in your case, like code school was a, a pathway. Yes, it takes deep personal investment to you know, go to school in an intensive format for 12 weeks or whatever it is, but... But that's still a fairly doable thing. And so, yes, to your point of, like, I think your story opens up a great case study to people who might think of making a career change as too daunting a thing or might feel locked in. Um, your experience with Code School illustrates that, that, no, you actually can do it. Yeah, and I would like to encourage and um, ask Every person that's listening, whether you are um, come from a minority background or uh, or if you're, you know, a single mom or if you're, um, you know, have had a, more opportunity. I mean, code school is um, code school is a really good option for someone, especially even if you're just from Montana is your only, you know, um, thing that you're working with um, because Montana doesn't always provide and Missoula doesn't always provide, you know, all the greatest opportunities either. There's lots more opportunities in other places like Seattle or, you know, mm -hmm. um, the coast. Um, but if you want to stay in Montana and you, maybe you have family here or you want to, you know, try, try yourself, try to uh, develop your own business or a startup or something, you know, code school is definitely a place to start. Um, and I think that it's a wonderful 
place to start. Awesome. Well, Shannon, thanks for coming on the podcast, telling us your story, and uh, I look forward to future conversations. Best of luck. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks to Paul, Kelly, Luke, and Shannon. It was fun to put together this episode and learn more about the cool stuff that the Code School is doing. Uh, if you're interested in Montana Code School, check it out. Um, they are doing some awesome stuff and preparing st students, graduates, professionals, whatever, um, for awesome careers. So anyway, cool to see what they're doing. So that's it for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be sitting down with Dave Glazier. Dave is the CEO of MoFi, which is formerly known as the Montana and Idaho Community Development Corporation. We'll talk a little bit about that rebranding campaign and a fun episode with Dave. See you next week. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. Remember that A New Angle was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. They're one of the largest electrical wholesale companies in the country with nearly 600 locations nationwide. CED is a privately owned business-to-business -business company that distributes just about every piece of equipment to keep your lights on, your energy flowing, and your lifestyle comfortable. CED is also an important employer in Missoula, and they have a keen interest in University of Montana graduates. To explore career opportunities, check out www.cedcareers.com. Moving forward, if you have any suggestions for guests, cool people doing awesome things with creativity and hustle, please let us know. And if you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways you can support it. First, rate us on iTunes. Ratings help others find the show. Second, write a review. The more reviews we get, and hopefully positive ones, the more we can grow. And third, please just tell your friends about it. In addition, you can support A New Angle financially. For information on sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website, www.business.umt.edu slash anewangle. There you will also find a link to support the pod. Before we go, I'd like to thank a few people for making this project happen. First of all, Elizabeth Willey, Communications Director here at the University of Montana College of Business. I'd also like to thank recent UM graduate Michelle DeFluke and our fabulous interns Savannah Sletton and Max Gibson. And a special thanks to VTO for providing the show with music. Finally, thanks to my producer, Stefan Borson. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot and see you next time. <laughs>